the Hill Country Patriot. He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a crispy, crispy winter morning. The first day of winter, there was a little bit of uh, frost on the pumpkins, and I think by the time the sun had been up about 30 minutes, the frost was all gone. The pumpkins are warming up and hopefully uh, turning into pumpkin pie in time for Christmas. Um, so um, why am I here? I'm here because I want to get you engaged in the process of self-governance and part of that is making sure that you um, vote in the primary election and so every day for the next 54 days you're going to get the countdown from me there are 54 days until primary voting starts are you working with a candidate i have some good friends that listen up in the panhandle and they have been asking about this guy named uh, ted hutto who is uh, out of Pampa and is running for um, Texas House District 88. And I have to tell you that uh, 88 right now has been uh, represented by a fellow named Ken King, who is the fourth or fifth most liberal Republican in the House. And so any of my panhandle listeners, you know who you are. Good morning, Robert. Um, the... Um, this guy, Ted Hutto, there's an article about him on the Texas scorecard today, and I am working on getting some uh, contact info for him. So um, there's someone you can support up in the panhandle. Um, well, at least check into for right now to replace Ken King, because Ken King's already proven that he is an origami Republican. He will fold and bend into whatever shape. Um, that he needs to be folded and bent into. So, man, I've got an exciting show for you today. We have, it's a Two Pastor Tuesday, a Two for Tuesday. I have uh, Pastor Greg is not doing his normal uh, nationwide program this week nor next week. And uh, so, but I wanted to get a story from him, a Christmas story. So we're going to call Pastor Greg here in a few minutes and get a Christmas story from him. And at the bottom of the hour, another good friend of mine, Mike Sublett, I've never called him a pastor. It just doesn't even sound right to even say Pastor Mike. Mike's a long, long-time friend. I just he's, he's a preacher. Preacher Mike, and he's going to be at the bottom of the hour. In fact, you may, I think it was two years ago, two years ago today that we had um, – Mike Sublett on telling us a Christmas story that pretty much uh, got to all of our hearts. And uh, so we're going to have him on again today to uh, tell us that story again. And then, of course, at the bottom of the hour, we are on Advent Day 21. And uh, I have really been enjoying reading through that, and I hope you've enjoyed, enjoyed following that with me. So that's what we have planned today. Get engaged. Take some time off. We do have, yeah, we actually have a candidate on the air tomorrow, but uh, I'm going to be asking her questions about Christmas. 
We have uh, Nubia Divine, who's running for House District 19, is uh, going to be on the air tomorrow. And uh, I've already told her, I said, Nubia, we need some uh, childhood Christmas stories. And so Nubia, who was uh, born in uh, Colombia and raised in Venezuela, or maybe the other way around, um, the uh, she's going to bring us some uh, Christmas stories tomorrow. And then on Thursday, I have, uh, I'm real excited about Thursday. Got my mom on Thursday. We're going to have her telling some Christmas stories from her youth. And, uh, you know, I've had her in here before. And if you recall that um, she can tell us, um, she told us about when she got electricity at her house. And so I joke, my mom is older than electricity. And uh, so... But she's going to be on uh, the air with us Thursday, and I have a very special guest as well on Thursday to tell us some Christmas stories and also his story of becoming an American citizen. In fact, he was sworn in as a U.S. citizen um, this past week, and uh, maybe it was two weeks ago now. Um, Nobody, you couldn't attend his swearing-in. It was out in El Paso. I don't know why in the world they pick El Paso to do the swearing-in. Can't we put it in the middle of the state? And uh, so he was sworn in as a U.S. citizen, and uh, Asani is uh, from Madagascar, and I've known him since 2004 and even uh, been to Madagascar and stayed with his family in Madagascar. And so uh, we're, uh, we have some strong ties over the years, and uh, so Asani is uh, going to be um, talking to us on Thursday um, we're going to hear some Christmas stories from Asani as well as uh, maybe a little bit about his journey to citizenship and what it took and why why when so many people say we're just living in the most horrible racist country, why this um, young man would want to come from Madagascar to this horrible, nasty, no good, rotten, I think I'll eat worms country We'll find out on uh, Thursday. So that's what we have this week. Lighten things up a little bit. Um, but I am going to remind you every day, <clears throat> 54 days till primary voting from today. So before we uh, get Pastor Mike on, uh, nope, we're going to start with Pastor Greg. Before we get Pastor Greg on the phone, going to give you a little bit of a Ben Franklin here. Um, how about this one? Um, let's see. Uh, a humility makes great men twice honorable humility makes great men twice honorable folks y'all stay tuned and uh, we'll be back with uh, pastor greg All right, folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. And like I said, this is a very special week. I am uh, getting Christmas stories from a very diverse group of people. And uh, so um, Pastor uh, Greg and I were having our usual Monday evening phone call yesterday. And he said, Matt, I'm not going to be doing my uh, program this week or next week. And I went, oh, no. So, um, but I'd already planned on getting him to tell us Christmas stories. So it was like he was just going to ruin my whole morning. And so I said, well, can you come on anyway? And uh, so, Pastor Greg, welcome to the Matt Long Show. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time out of your vacation 
to visit with us. Hey, it's great to be here, Matt, as always, and welcome and shout out to everybody there in the Hill Country. Great to be with everybody and a very Merry Christmas to everyone. Absolutely. Man, it's just so much fun to say Merry Christmas. I just love saying Merry Christmas. So um, the, uh, the, the theme this week is Christmas stories. Um, I've got my mom on Thursday. Um, we got all kinds of fun Christmas stories coming up this week, and I was hoping that, uh, Pastor Greg, that you could tell us a, uh, a Christmas story. If you have one out of your youth, that would be awesome. Um, man, but uh, I'm just going to give you the floor and uh, let you tell us a, a good Christmas memory. Well, I, I do. I, I, have, I have several uh, Christmas memories. One of our uh, family traditions when I was a kid growing up, of course, I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, out out in, in California back in the days when it was uh, Reagan and Wilson country. So mm. we, there actually was a time when California was somewhat normal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but back then, uh, the the Friday before uh, we took our our Christmas break, our school break for Christmas, my mom and dad would take my sister and I out of school and we'd get dressed up and we would go to San Francisco and we would take in the, all of the uh, Christmas decorations over there and go down to Fisherman's Wharf and we'd usually, usually uh, have one of our meals there at Fisherman's Wharf and we would go to... Uh, Cost Plus, which back then I think Cost Plus was only in uh, like San Francisco. I mean, mm-hmm. there weren't very many of them. And uh, and so one of my favorite things to do was uh, I used to collect hand carved uh, animals from Africa, huh. uh, hand carved wooden animals from Africa, okay. and. Uh, and so that was one of our one of the things that I did. And then the other thing that we did was is that we'd always pick out an ornament for the Christmas tree. Okay. And uh, my sister and I would would every year we we'd pick out an ornament. But then I'll tell you, you know, back then, I mean, first of all, you know, you you, you always, I mean, when you when you went out, you dressed up. Right. I and mean, that was that was pretty. Right. You know, and, and especially if you went to the city, you you dressed up to go to the city. Uh, I know nowadays, it's you know, you think about that and you think, well, who would dress up, you know, to go to the city? <laughs> but we, you did back in those days, man, you know, you, you dressed up in the mid 60s and the early 70s. You dressed up to go to the city. And so, uh, yeah, so that was one of our, our really cool things. Uh, you know, ride the cable cars. Now, another thing that our family did, a family tradition was, is that we we had quite a bit of extended family. I was one of two, but had some extended family. My my mom's sister, and then occasionally, well, and my my grandparents and what have you. So we would have uh, an annual Christmas gathering of the family. And that would happen usually the week before Christmas. 
Um, my grandparents were uh, season ticket holders of the Oakland Raiders going uh-huh. back to 1960. Okay. So they were from, from 1960 to 1978 when they when the Raiders then moved down to Los Angeles. But so, you know, a lot of times back then the Raiders were, were in the playoffs. So a lot of our of our family Christmas gatherings were uh, scheduled around my grandparents and and the Raiders and their and their and their playoff games. Huh. Uh, we, we'd have to kind of look ahead and figure out you know when when they were playing or when they weren't. As a matter of fact, um, the year that the Raiders knocked the Miami Dolphins out of the playoffs. That was a uh, that was a Saturday, one of the one of the early days of the Saturday playoff games, mm-hmm. and uh, Clarence, Clarence Davis uh, caught a pass from Kenny Stabler in the end zone, and my grandparents were at that game, right. and, uh, and so yeah, so they we we lived probably about thirty five forty minutes. We lived in San Leandro. But we were probably about 35, 40 minutes from the Oakland Coliseum. And so, uh, if that, and, and so we all gathered and then, and, and watched the game. And then we waited for my grandparents to get home. And, and, uh, and so our, our family Christmas that year was, uh, in part a celebration of the Raiders beating the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs. <laughs> There you go. How many of our uh, how many of our holidays are tied to uh, uh, football games? I mean, I remember the Thanksgiving of Clint Longley and the Dallas Cowboys coming back. I remember that that like it was yesterday. And uh, it's uh, it, it is uh, too funny that we tie so many of our memories to the NFL. So let's uh, fast forward to today. You've got you have you have uh, several children. Tell us about your family. You have a couple of daughters and a son. Am I two sons and two daughters? What am I missing? Uh, well, actually, I have three daughters and two sons. I have five children, and we have three grandchildren. And um, and we've been, you know, fortunate. We've been here in Texas now since uh, back in Texas, I should say. My wife was born and raised in Texas. So, uh, you know, our, our, our early married years were spent here and then we left here and did some traveling to Florida and, and, and then California and now, and now back to Texas since 2011. But, uh, before my accident, actually we had, uh, everybody was here a a couple of Christmases. So we had all five of our kids here Mm. and that was, you know, just really, really, really precious. Today, we've got everybody but my oldest daughter. Uh, my oldest lives uh, uh, down in Puerto Vallarta. Wow! And uh, yep, yep, she's uh, in in enjoying that. And uh, she said, "Dad, it's less expensive to live down here than it is to live in in, in L.A." And hmm. and she's still doing what she does in the entertainment world and doing real well but we've got everybody else is is with us here and so we'll 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 have a christmas celebration here at the at the house and that'll be fun it, you know the accident obviously changed 
Oh, yeah. You know, everything. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't think about, I, I guess, you think about, you know, if you're involved in an accident, how it might change your own life. But, you know, it, it, it changes the lives of everybody around you as well because we're, we, we don't live in isolation. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's been, it's been, you know, it's been different, but I'm doing, you know, so much better nearly, nearly five years out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that's cool. We've, uh, actually we had a, a, a kind of a Christmas, um, tradition that we'd started here in Texas of going up to burn it to the, uh, Christmas in Bethlehem. Yeah. Have you ever done that, Matt? Yes, I have. It, it is, uh, it's really awesome. They, they, uh, that's a great, uh, program they put on up there. That's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, doing that, we, uh, they, they decided this year and, and I'm sure probably because, you know, everybody been locked down the last couple of years. So they, uh, decided they were going to do tickets this year. Not, you didn't have to pay, but you had to get a ticket. And, mm-hmm. and so it was sold. We kind of missed that, but, um, but another tradition that we started, uh, here is, as we go up to Marble Falls and take in the lights and, uh, and then, uh, those, those that are able get out on the ice and ice skate. You know, I was, uh, drove past Marble Falls on both Saturday night and, uh, again, Sunday night, I had to go to the Metroplex this weekend and it seemed like that there were, man, it seemed like there were twice as many lights at the Marble Falls show than in the past. Um, Pastor Greg, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want to find out. Here's, uh, there's some very, there's rules about decorating for Christmas. And everybody has a different set of rules. So I want to know what it is at your house. When are you allowed or when do you start putting up decorations and then about taking them down, do you have any rules or, or, or uh, lines on taking the decorations down? So, Phil, uh, answer that for us. Well, Christmas lights usually, you know, go up just after after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's usually when we try to put some lights up. Um, years back, uh, when uh, we were going through some some challenging things we we put the christmas lights up and decided we we actually left them up um all all all, all the way into summer ah. and uh, this was we were living in california california at the time when our our neighbor and our cul-de-sac came over and uh and uh, he knocks on the door and he says listen he said our homeowners association here has decided that uh, we're gonna find you if you don't take those lights down <laughs> of course he was you know he was he was kidding with me but um but we you know i think that the lights and and so on are just kind of a um a happy reminder of really what the whole purpose of this is, and it's to celebrate the birth of the son of god Jesus, the Son of Christ, and and one of the other traditions. I'm sorry, I forgot this. We don't put up a Christmas tree. What we do is, is we put up a manger. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and yeah, and we and we and we put our our presents around the baby Jesus. Well, how about that? Well, how about that? Well, that answers the other really important question. 
fake tree or real tree. And uh, we did some research, Bob did yesterday, and 21% of Americans um, do not put up a Christmas tree at all. And so you would fit into that category. But I really like uh, what you do. Pastor Greg, it's been great to visit with you. Um, you guys, you and your family have a Merry, Merry Christmas. And um, thank you so much for taking some time to come visit with us this morning. Thank you, Matt. Merry Christmas to you and yours and to everyone in the whole country. God bless you and uh, looking forward to a, a great 2022. Absolutely. All right, folks, y'all stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back with uh, Preacher Mike. Folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. I have on the line with me this morning a very, very dear friend. In fact, we have been reading from his book, uh, Celebration and Repentance. Um, he's got a, a, a wee little book out that is um, for, uh, these are devotional meditations for both Advent and Lent. And uh, we have been uh, following that every day today at the bottom of the, uh, or at the fourth quarter today, we'll get on to Advent Day number 21. Mike and I met in uh, Ontario, Oregon, I believe in 1985. And, um, you know, I have a lot of preachers in my life, and every one of them's, you know, either pastor this or pastor that. And I'm telling you, Mike Sublet, I, I just for the life of me, I cannot call you Pastor Mike. You are Mike to me, and I imagine you're Mike to most people. Am I right there? I am Mike to everybody who asks me. They'll say something, what do I call you? And I said, my name is Mike. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I do want to say something about uh, Mike before we go on. The... Um, the ability to Mike is is one of these people that knows when he needs to be hard. He knows when he needs to be soft when the when the occasion calls for it as a counselor and a preacher. And the amazing thing, uh, the ability that Mike has, the gift that he's been given, is the 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 ability to differentiate when to be tough and when to be soft. And I, I, uh, that is a gift that uh, Mike Sublet has that I've always respected in Mike Sublet. So I just want to brag a little bit about Mike. And uh, if you're ever up in Pampa, folks, Michael, tell us the preacher he's at, uh, where he preaches in Pampa on Sundays. Um, and uh, if you're ever in the Panhandle, this is worth a drive. I, I'm telling you. I don't care what Sunday it is or what uh, Mike's going to be preaching on, but I guarantee you, you will get something really solid and good out of it. So, Mike, the uh, topic this week is Christmas stories, and uh, I have want I want some I, I want a, a story from your childhood, and then move on forward. I think you've got a couple of stories ready. So, Mike, the floor is yours. Okay. First of all, thank you for the uh, the compliments. I really appreciate that. Uh, that's what I want to be known for uh, as a preacher who preaches the Word. Uh, Christmas story. Uh, it's interesting because I made a phone call earlier. Uh, there was a, another child involved in the story that I'm going to share, and we're both older now. She's 74. I'm 72. And we were kind of reliving that story, talking about it. And here's how it happened. 
uh, the year, I think, was 1958. I was nine years old. Um, uh, I didn't know till this morning when she told me. Our dads were both deacons at the church where we went, and they started uh, a clothing room uh, and uh, took clothes and brought people to the clothing room from all over town, uh, trying to make sure that people had stuff to wear and things like that. Um, but we, 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 our families were very close, and so we celebrated Christmas together several times. Our dads work shift work, so generally we did Christmas Eve instead of Christmas Day. Mm. Uh, one in that that year, we're having Christmas Christmas Eve. Phone rings. My dad goes and answers the phone. Comes back into the living room, starts talking to Foy, her dad. Uh, her name is Carolyn, uh, and her mom and dad, Jackie and Foy. My dad is visiting with Foy. And then all of a sudden says, guys, uh, we got to leave. Now, we're right in the middle of celebrating. We haven't opened packages yet, but the food's out and that kind of thing. And they said, we got to go. Uh, we got in there and we got to run. And, of course, the moms immediately wanted to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And it was a benevolence call. Uh, so there's somebody in need and we need to go help them. And so on Christmas Eve, we said, can we go? And they said, yes. So we all load in our 1954 Buick. Um, and uh, we head over, and as we're driving, uh, you got to understand, boys often are not as um, sensitive. They're more self-absorbed than girls are, mm-hmm. um, at least I was. And uh, so we're on the north side of town. Our house is probably six years old. It's not very big, but it's kind of new. Uh, and so we're driving, and we're we're on the north side of town, and I just assume we're going to go to a house on the north side of town. But we didn't. We go through the middle of town. We don't stop there either. We go all the way to the south side of town. And I knew there was a section called Prairie Village where a lot of people from church lived. We drive right through Prairie Village. We don't stop there. And we get to a section in Pampa back in 1958 where mostly the black population lived. Uh... And a lot of the houses were not very nice. Um, uh, that's just that's the way it was in Pampa in 1958. Mm-hmm. Um, we pull up in front of a. The only way I know how to say it is when I was nine years old, we, we pulled up in front of what I would call a shack. Mm-hmm. Um, dark. There are no street lights. There's no porch light on in this house. Um, a dad. The dads get out. Carolyn and I got out and followed them to the front door. They knock on the door. A lady comes to the door, invites us inside, and we go inside. And I was talking with Carolyn. She's she's the same way as me. She can remember the second we stepped in that living room. We were both just stunned. Uh, number one, it was very cold. and It was a really cold night, but it's cold in their living room not warm. There's no carpet. There's no decorations on the wall. Um, uh, it is, there's very little furniture in the living room. Um, and we're looking at this very different than where, than our living room. And, um, so the dads are talking to the mom and what they're talking to her about 
or benevolent needs, food needs. And so they're, they're kind of finding out what she has and what she doesn't have, which was almost everything. Um, but Carolyn and I are standing by the front door, to be honest with you, both of us a little scared. We were in a place we'd never been in before, and any place that we lived didn't look anything like this. There are four kids, all of them younger than me, and I'm nine. Mm. And so the dads say they've got their information, and we go back to the car, and we get in the car, and we drive to Ideal Grocery Store uh, down by Central Park here in Pampa back then. And they go in to get the groceries, and Carolyn and I start talking. And Carolyn's the one who came up with the idea. We were both just shocked. There's nothing in that living room that can tell you it's Christmas. Nothing. And uh, so she comes up with the idea, what if we gave them, those kids, some of our Christmas presents? Well, I just thought that was the best idea anybody ever had on earth. So both of us are really excited. We wait till the dads come back out, and we got to convince the dads. And what, of course, we're looking at it like we have to convince the dads to let us. And of course, what we don't realize is now that we're parents and grandparents, it didn't require any convincing. So when the dads get in, Carolyn starts with the presentation of, can we do this? Can we do this? And I try to throw in that if we're going to do this, we got to get a Christmas tree, we got to get ornaments, we got to make this Christmas for this family. Um, and um, and the dads, I thought they would just immediately, well, both of us did, thought they would just immediately say, great idea. They didn't. In fact, they didn't say anything for a couple of minutes. Now that I'm grown, I know why. They couldn't talk. Yeah, I'm sure. So both of them say, "Great idea," and we go back to the house and we gotta we gotta convince the moms because that's where the presents are. And we so we walk inside and we tell them what's going on. The moms are excited. We they tell us what's in all the packages. We take the name tags off. We put those kids' names on them. Uh, Mom, I ask her for ornaments. She goes and gets the spare ornaments that we have. Uh, we load up. We leave. Um, we're heading out, and I just said, we got to get a Christmas tree. So we stop at the local uh, Christmas tree lot that the Boy Scouts ran, um, and um, there's kind of a semi-grumpy person who's there on <laughs> Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, But they heard what we were doing. Our dads told them. They gave us the tree and mm-hmm. said, that's just awesome. And so we drive to the shack. We get out. Um, the dads have, uh, they waited and took the groceries later. They took the Christmas tree. We've got the presents. We knock on the door. She opens the door. We step in and the dads start putting the Christmas tree in a Christmas tree stand that we brought. We had a spare one, uh, and they're getting it all set. We've got the presents. We're waiting on the tree. We go over. I'm not really watching the kids yet because I've got the presents. And the second they get the tree up, which was really quick, we set the presents down, and then all of a sudden we look around. Uh, the mom is in tears. Mm. And the kids are beside themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're about to pop. Um, 
dad's then go out and get the bags of groceries, bring them in. It's going to set her up for two or three weeks of groceries at least. Um, uh, she's excited, can't say thank you enough times. We're absolutely thrilled mm. of all the Christmases when I was a kid. Of all the Christmases, the one that stands out is that one. When we drove home, I have never felt the glory of God more mm. than the chance to give that night mm. to a family in need. Wow. Wow. Man, listen, we, we should have all war- given everybody the Kleenex warning, Mike. Um, what? Yeah. Uh, we're we're we need to take this next story and uh, truncate it a little bit um, because we're running short on time. But I do want to hear a newer story. When I believe you told me this was one when uh, your kids were uh, probably about that age. So proceed with that story. Okay, we did a similar thing when we knew you in Ontario, Oregon, mm-hmm. and we did a thing at church where we asked our kids to not bring a new gift, but to give their favorite toy. Wow. Their favorite toy. And the kids were totally in favor of it. Now, we made some parents mad. (laughs) The kids had a generous giving heart. The parents, not so much. Mm. The kids brought their number one favorite toy. And we wrapped them all up, and we got them all, and we got some names of two families in need. So we load up in the church van with just the kids and me, and we drive to this first house, and the houses are side by side. Mm. They're more like two, again, they're almost like two shacks. Mm. Um, And we get out of the van, and I said, let's go inside first. There's not supposed to be anybody there so that we can drop the stuff off, and then they come home. And they had left. Uh, It's a bitter cold day again. When we took the kids inside, there are 12 people living in a tiny, tiny... There are mattresses on the floor. There are Mm. blankets on the floor. There was not a front door. There was a big blanket, kind of like a front door. There's open fire to heat the place. The kids are astounded. So we, we're ready to drop the presents off, and the kids did what we did. They went, stop. There is no crit. Now, I didn't do this with them. They did this on their own, and my kids are some of the kids. Mm. But they just immediately said, there's no Christmas tree. There's no decorations. There's no nothing. We got to go get stuff. So we hustle up. We get the Christmas tree. We get decorations. We come back, we set it all up, the kids leave their presents, and we leave. So we don't get to see the kids on that one. But right next door is another shack. We step inside on it, do the same there because there are gifts for it. It had a Christmas tree, so we didn't have to go get one. But what I take away from that one, and you were part of that church, is the generosity of our kids was glorious and the tight waddedness because the rule was they're going to give their best and you can't replace it Mm. if you replace it then they didn't give anything that's right and the parents were upset but the kids were thrilled just like carolyn and i were 
You know, Mike, that just reminds me of the numerous scriptures in the New Testament that um, that tell us about the mind of children and the hearts of children and uh, how we as adults in many ways need to have the minds and hearts of, of children. Did I Am I interpreting scripture? Does that, does that fit in with this story? Oh, this is one of the perfect reasons why Jesus held children up and said, if you can't become like a little child, you can't enter my kingdom. Mm. And it's and I believe one of the things about children, their spirit of generosity is crazy huge. Mm. Crazy huge. Mike, it's been a real honor. Thank you, sir. Um, Merry Christmas to all of your family. I have one more question. What is the rule on taking down Christmas decorations. Is there any rules at your house, or do you just leave them up till May? What's what's the, what's the rule at your house? Okay, well, I was kind of depressed a while ago when I heard that Pastor Greg is a Raiders fan. <laughs> uh, because I'm a Broncos fan, and I hate the Raiders. I'm, I'm with you. I was very encouraged when I heard Pastor Greg say that there was one year he didn't take the decorations down till summer. Uh-huh. Because I'm one of those people that think Christmas decorations ought to stay up 365 days a year. So I would say that my rule would be Christmas decorations stay up year-round. Well, there you go. Mike, Mike, thank you so much for taking some time out this morning. And uh, I hope you have a very merry, merry Christmas with your family. And I know you'll have some uh, special things with your church uh, tell us, what's the name of the uh, church where you preach in Pampa? Because I have a lot of friends that listen up in the Panhandle. It is Highland Christian Church here in Pampa. And if folks want to go on Facebook and find Mike Hawdad Sublet, I'd love to be friends with you on Facebook. All right, there you go. Mike Sublet, Pampa, Texas. Um, Mike, thank you again. And, folks, uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with um, Advent Day 21. Folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Um, we have some uh, special prayer requests today. I think um, many of us know someone. In fact, I think many of us are actually in this position of um, having uh, what we uh, refer to. I refer to them as firsts. When someone near and dear to you passes on, um, there's going to be that first Christmas that first Thanksgiving, that first uh, birthday that you always made that phone call on the birthday and that, that, that birthday will come up and you'll, you'll be reaching for the phone and you'll realize, no, Pop's not here or Kirk's not here and, and I can't make that phone call. And, and there's a lot of firsts that come up. And I think this last year, um, we all know someone who who either passed on and we're struggling this, or we have a good friend who lost someone 
and uh, a husband or a wife or or a, a parent or or heaven forbid a child and we know that has happened to people we know this last year and so a special prayer and a special attention needs to be paid to those people in your life who have lost loved ones this year and because they're going through the first christmas without the first christmas without um I know Kirk, Captain Kirk, we prayed for him. Uh, you know, I, how many, I don't know how, for how long we prayed for my cousin, Captain Kirk, one of my closest and best friends. And um, he passed on this year, and his wife and his kids and his mom, his sister, and uh, his brother, they're all going to be getting together, but there's going to be that empty place at the table. And no matter how... How much good food there is, how, how, how many times we uh, put on a Christmas story, um, how many fun stories we tell and how hard we laugh. There's going to come that moment where it just gets quiet and you look around and you realize that uh, Kirk's not in the room with us or that dad's not in the room with us or whoever it is, your husband or your wife is not in the room with you. This is a, um, if you know people like that, uh, you need to not only pray for them today and over the next few days, but reach out and reach out in a manner that's appropriate. Reach out, make sure you let them know that you're praying for them, that you let them know that you know that this is going to be a tough time. In fact, I think every one of us, unless you're really young, every one of us has already gone through that, whether it be someone really close, an immediate family member, or whether it's someone like a cousin that was real close to you, or maybe just an old friend. And so most of us already kind of know what that first is like. And so pay attention. Be very conscious of the people on your list, the people you know, um, I would just sit down with your family and, and make a list today of people you know who are going to be experiencing that first Christmas without. And those people need a little bit of attention, a little bit of extra love, and um, definitely a lot of prayers. Also got a text this morning from a, a good uh, a local friend of ours. I think a lot of you know Judy. And uh, Judy's been struggling with all kinds of issues over the last year and um, and has been, listen, a lot of people talk about a miraculous recovery for Judy in the last year. And, and today she's a little under the weather today and a little bit of concern for our good friend Judy. So um, let's, um, let, let's uh, keep Judy in your prayers here today, uh, especially for Judy uh, today that uh, whatever's going on with her body that uh, the Lord knows what where and when and so just pray for coverage for Judy today we're going to go to the 21st day of um, Advent and remember the word Advent means coming the coming and uh, Advent the 24 days that we uh, that 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 we've been celebrating Advent is just telling all the story leading up to the the birth of our our lord and savior and you know we we talked about the smelly animals we talked about the difficult trip 
of of the hundreds of miles on a donkey and through dangerous land that uh, Joseph and Mary had to go through and and uh, we talked about again the smelly stable and I just can't get over how well the um the chosen in their little Christmas special they did it so well of going into the uh, going into the the uh, room or the 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 stable and the first scene in there is Joseph picking up a shovel and uh, scooping up poop out of the bottom of the stable and uh, they they just did that so well in the chosen in the Christmas special if you have a chance to see it so today we're at the shepherds they were smelly oh here we go again smelly they were a smelly uneducated lot who hardly ever spent time around people they were shepherds who could never leave the defenseless sheep with which they had been entrusted so they spent most of their lives with the sheep and each other and the only good thing about living their lives with the other smelly shepherds was that they didn't notice their own personal odors so much even though it was one of the lower class occupations the shepherds could make great could take great comfort from time to time in knowing that the sheep they watched over would be the sacrificial part of one of the great Jewish festivals. Their greatest hope was for each of the sheep in their care to be sacrificed on the temple altar in Jerusalem. This was the life of the shepherds in the Advent story. But on that night, Jesus was born and everything changed. The shepherds were selected to be humanity's representatives to welcome the Christ child into the world. They were the only ones who received personal invitations from heaven. They didn't even have to RSVP. All they had to do was walk to the stable in Bethlehem. Can you imagine how worried they must have been as they walked towards Bethlehem? After all, they were dirty and smelly, hardly appropriately attired to welcome the new king. But to their surprise, they found him in a place where they were completely comfortable. Isn't God awesome when he does things like that? Had Jesus been born in a nice house, the uh, shepherds would have felt totally out of place, but the stable put them at ease. Why is God concerned about us so much? Father God wants to do for you what he did for the shepherds that night. In this Advent story, Father God is sending you a personalized invitation to meet his son and doing it in such a way so as not to intimidate you. He doesn't want to frighten you away. He just asks you to meet Jesus in the same place where the shepherds met him. It isn't a matter of you getting all cleaned up on your own, somehow becoming worthy of the meeting of the Redeemer. All you have to do is just meet Jesus in the stable, arrive all smelly in your sin, will be fine. Just come. So, is it time for you to do what the shepherds did? They hurried to the village and met the Christ child, Luke 2.16. We'll see y'all tomorrow.